everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff, joining me, as always, from the Pacific Northwest in our remote location. It is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Man, I'm excited about today's show. We're, we're doing something that we haven't done in a while, and that's like, you know, the usual show format. Yeah, it's the, it's the traditional show format where we've each got something to talk about. Uh, I don't know anything about what your, you know, your topic and you said you don't know anything about my topic. So this is going to be, not. it's going to be a learning experience all around. So that's cool. But uh, Mark, as we like to do before we get into the main part of the show, we want to warm up properly so as not to injure ourselves when we are learning. So let's, uh, let's jump right into our BP segment, eh? Let's do it. That's for our Canadian listeners. They a yeah, yeah. there. So I've got I, I've for our for our BP segment here. I've got I've got four things. So I'm going to go pop culture, actual baseball, pop culture, and then actual baseball. So we're going to format this to keep everybody interested. But uh, okay. So I I found this on Twitter. And uh, do you ever watch Baywatch? Mm, You're a guy who watched Baywatch. That. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was in college when Baywatch first came out, you know, with with Pamela Anderson, because that was the mm-hmm. draw, even though I was a Nicole oh, yeah. Eggert guy, Pamela Anderson was the draw for that, you know, the first couple of seasons. Absolutely. Uh, so remember, one of those seasons was during 1994. And you know what happened in baseball in 1994? There was a strike. The strike series, the strike shortened season. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you remember, I didn't remember this episode. Uh, apparently Mike Piazza made a, uh, a cameo on an episode. Wow. Was he carrying one of those orange things they always ran with? Oh, he uses it. Oh, right so on. let me set the scene for you here. So imagine a beach, beach goers out and about. Pamela Anderson walking, she's carrying one of those things, just walking down the beach, you know, patrolling. And there... Ahead of her, with a crowd starting to gather, is a large gentleman wearing a Dodgers hat and a Dodgers uniform on the beach, swinging a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And from there, we'll jump into it. Excuse me. Yeah? Why are you swinging that baseball bat? Well, I'm a baseball player. But why did you bring it here to the beach? Well, I'm trying to keep my swing sharp while we're on strike. Help! Over here! That is some, I mean, great acting by my Piazza. I, I, I don't know how he's not in more films. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, he could write the soundtrack too. That's, uh, that's impressive. I, I, you know, I, uh, I'm sure that a lot of baseball players dress up in uniform and head down to crowded beaches to swing the bat. <laughs> and just, I uh, will put a link to this in the show notes so you can go, you can go watch it, but just to set the scene here, the water at, at no point when they're rescuing this woman from this strong riptide, 
is above mid thigh. <laughs> they are literally like four feet from the, the shore, like from where the, the furthest the water reaches. But a rescue is a rescue. So congrats to Mike Piazza. Uh, check out his IMDb page. I didn't. There's probably other things. I'm sure he's been on other I'm sure. shows. Uh, okay, next thing, Mike Trout. You've heard of Mike Trout, maybe? Yeah, um, it's like a backup third baseman. <laughs> yeah. So I, have <laughs> you looked at his his baseball reference page? Because I had not recently. Not recently, no. So if, if you look at his baseball reference page, it is just all black ink, you know, signifying league leader in categories. Sure. And yeah. then what really caught me was the awards column. So he, he came up, his first year in the majors was 2011. He only played in 40 games, did not have enough at-bats to qualify as a rookie. The next year, obviously, he won Rookie of the Year. But what really startled me here is that except for that first year in 2011, Mike Trout has never finished lower than fourth in MVP balloting. Wow. So his rookie, when he won the rookie of the year, he came in second in the MVP, then second, then he won his first, then he came in second, then he won his second, then fourth, second, and then he won his third last year. I guess pretty good. Yeah. In only nine years in the big leagues, he has finished no lower than fourth in the MVP balloting, which is just That's- incredible. That's absolutely amazing. I tell you what, man, and he's just darn good for baseball. You know, the, the type of player he is. And, um, you know, he, he just he doesn't get in any trouble. He doesn't run his mouth. So when he talks, people actually listen. He's just uh, all around fantastic baseball player and just really good for the game. Big fan of weather. Big weather geek. Uh, That's awesome. So we, we know his nickname is the Millville Meteor. Right. Because he's yes. from Millville, New Jersey, uh, apparently listed. There's a new nickname here on Baseball Reference for Mike Trout. I've never heard of this one. It's Kid. K-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-D. Kid. OK. Kid. Are there a specific amount of eyes or is he just uh, there is, looks like there's five or six. But I, I that's a new one to me. I just noticed that literally like, I could never about. figure out how many U's were in Raul. <laughs> <laughs> Raul Ibanez. Raul Ibanez. How many uses is that? I don't know how to divide it up. I want to be accurate. However many okay, can sell the screen. Yes, uh, that's it. All right, so a uh, big popular thing here. Uh, Hamilton was on Disney Plus a couple uh-huh. weeks ago. Came out. Have you seen it yet? I have not. We watched it. We had not seen it before. Found some interesting uh, baseball tidbits to do with uh, Hamilton. So okay. it said in the play here, and I could not, I could not find anything historically that told us exactly how far apart Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr were when they dueled and shot. But in the in the musical, they are fifteen paces apart. Now, how far is fifteen paces apart? You ask. It I is. Ask. It is a little bit over thirty feet. Now, what is interesting is 15 paces is the original pitching distance from the pitcher's line to home plate in the earliest games of baseball. So the question here is, was the original distance for the pitchers, and there was no mound, but the pitcher's line, was it originally taken 
from the shortest distance from which people would duel with guns. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it's an interesting um, assumption. Yeah, I thought that was John Thorne, the, the official baseball, Major League Baseball historian, had tweeted out and had written a little piece about that. So I, I had done a little bit more research. I could not find exactly how far apart Hamilton and Burr were, but I thought it was interesting about the the distance that they they shoot at each other versus the original pitcher's line. Another thing uh, to do with Hamilton is that duel took place in Weehawken's Height in New Jersey, which is only a mile and a half away from Elijah Fields, which is thought to generally be the location of the very first organized game of baseball. Look at that. There are parallels that you discovered, sir. Yep, right there. Very close. So nice. there's some baseball, some baseball ties to Hamilton. <laughs> That's good, man. I was not expecting that. <laughs> we, we cover it all here. All right. My last little tidbit here. This will be a quickie. Barry Bonds, 688 career intentional base on balls. That, <laughs> that's, that is more intentional base on balls than some, some Hall of Famers have unintentional base on balls. Uh, yeah. The Tampa Bay, oh, I'm sorry, just the Tampa Rays franchise, the entire franchise of the history, they only have 614 intentional base on balls. <laughs> so <laughs> they've got 64 more to go or 54 more to go before they Catch. equal Barry, Barry. Bonds. <laughs> That I remember I'm when in his prime when he was hitting the ball, you know, he was hitting every ball out of the park or he was walking. And I remember just thinking, you know, just why pitch to him? Well, they walked him with the bases try? loaded. They they walked I know. Him and I, drove in a run rather than face him. When when he was that strong and you know, we know the reasons, um, he he was you just couldn't get him out. And he was so patient at the plate, he had such a good eye that you eventually, if you were going to try and get him, you had to throw a strike, and good luck if you're going to throw a strike. Yeah, he was scary up there. So there you have it. He's got he's he's still got a uh, still got an advantage over the Rays franchise. They're working on it though. I hear they have a big day uh, planned for when they actually catch that record. Yeah, they're going to stop the game. They're going to bring back all every player that's ever played for Tampa Bay. That's right. Tampa. I keep saying Bay. They don't like it when you say Bay. All right, so let's uh, let's look at debuts. This show is debuting on July 21st. I've got a couple of debuts here. Pumpsy Green made his debut today in 1959. Do you uh, does that name Pumpsy Green ring a bell for you? Yeah, it was Richie's friend on uh, Happy Days. Oh, that's Potsy Weber. Potsy. No. <laughs> totally missed that one. Sorry about that. No, so, no, I don't know who that is. So Pumpsy Green was the first black player to ever suit up for the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox were the very last team in baseball to integrate. And they did it when they called up Elijah Pumpsy Green in 1959, 12 years after Jackie Robinson had broken the color oh. barrier with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Wow, that's that's horrible. Just uh, it's Yaki, <laughs> I mean, you, Tom Yaki. You can't just 
Yeah, you just can't write it off as, you know, well, we just picked the best players for 12 years. Yeah. You didn't sign one black player. And, you know, Come I on. read an interview with, with Pump C, who actually he just passed away July 17th last year. So almost just a year ago today, he passed away. Oh. Uh, he passed away here in the Bay Area. He was born, uh, he wasn't born here, but he went to school, high school, played for the Oakland Oaks here, and uh, actually after he retired, came back here to the Bay Area and worked as a truancy officer for the school district for a long time. But I was reading an interview with him, and he was like, oh, Tom Yockey pulled me aside and said, we'll do everything we can for you. If any trouble happens, just come directly to me, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's such a great guy, yet <laughs> it took him 12 freaking years to to call up <laughs> the first African-American players. Just ridiculous. That's that's just insane. Come on. Uh, he only played five seasons. He had a career war of 2.9. Uh, he played well in the minor leagues, but he just never, never really could put it together in the big leagues and just didn't meet with a lot of success. But Pumpsy Green is, you know, that's still a name that I think everybody should remember. He was the the person that broke the the color barrier for the last team that finally came around to do it. So... Pumpsy Green made his debut in 1959 today. My second player to make his debut today is from 2004. David Wright of the New York Mets made his debut. I remember that. David Wright. He went 0 for 4 versus John Patterson of the Montreal Expos. Wright was a seven-time All-Star, won a gold glove twice. He uh, was... Uh, I thought this was really interesting. In high school, he played on a team with Ryan Zimmerman, Mark Reynolds, BJ Upton, and Justin Upton. That was a high school team? That was a high school team. <laughs> I think it was probably a, an all-star team. Sure, but, but man, they could have toured. A little barnstorming there. David Wright was the fourth captain in Mets history. The three prior were Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, and John Franco. I'm not sure if the Mets have named another captain since David Wright. I don't know yeah, who they were. I, I don't think so. David Wright made one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen in person. At uh, When it was then Safeco Field, He uh, the Mets had come to town, and they rarely come to town, so it was really fun. I remember it. It was a foul ball into the stands, and he, he got to the edge of the stands at the wall too early, and it went into the stands maybe three rows up. He just dove. He was standing and he just dove up into the stands and landed on the people and landed on the chairs, came up with the ball. I, I, I was completely blown away by it. And he like, he had some blood coming off his cheek and stuff. And I'm like, okay, so I should watch out for this guy. <laughs> and of course he ended up being pretty good. That was probably the series when the Mets were there that both you and I had our Keith Hernandez run-ins. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing it was. So David Wright is the all-time leader for the Mets in these categories. And this is impressive. Doubles, extra base hits, hits, runs batted in, runs, sack flies, strikeouts, total bases, and walks. Pretty good. Wow. The Mets have had some great players, but David Wright is the all-time leader for the Mets franchise in all of those categories. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, he, he was a fantastic ball player. He was. It was, you know, unfortunate he could not stay healthy. He had a lot of yeah. injuries. Uh, ultimately, what what 
forced him into retirement. He was diagnosed with spinal stenosis and he was told that it was he was not going to get better playing baseball from that. So he finally retired. Uh, he did okay for himself, made a ton of money, married to model Molly Beers, who I'm not familiar with, but I'm going to assume she's probably a fantastic woman. Uh, Delta Airlines also named an MD-88 airplane the Wright Flight after David Wright. The plane's name, along with Wright's signature and jersey number, are next to the boarding door. So... If we ever feel safe to travel via air again and you're flying on Delta, look out for the, the right flight. <laughs> right. I'd love to be all right to fly the right flight. I would definitely take a picture of that as I was boarding if I noticed that. For all right. Sure. Mark, I asked you a trivia question last week. Let's see what you have come up with. I ask you who holds the record for uh, as a manager, who holds the record for most times being ejected from a World Series game? Something okay, that yes. does not happen often. It happened last year, but uh, it does not happen often. Umpires are generally pretty lenient in the World Series. But can you tell me who holds the record for being ejected most from a World Series game? Okay, so for this one, my thought process was think of a manager or a number of managers that have been ejected quite a lot. And I know that on that list, uh, number one of all time was Bobby Cox. Yep, he's number and one. And he was in a lot of World Series. He managed a lot of World Series, a lot of postseason games. So that's my guess, Bobby Cox. That is a very good guess. <laughs> and you are correct. <laughs> is he, it? Yes. He has been ejected twice from a World Series game. Everybody else has been ejected once. And that includes the usual suspects like Earl Weaver and Billy Martin. But you are 100% correct. Bobby Cox, the all-time leader for being ejected, is also the all-time leader for being ejected from a World Series game with two. Good for Bobby. Yep. So 1992 and 1996, he got tossed once, arguing a checked swing call and another uh, on a call at second base. So hmm. Bobby Cox, I, I got to see Bobby Cox get ejected a lot while I was working. I bet you he always got his money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> Always hobble out there because he had awful knees. He could not move quickly, but he would just come hobbling out. And oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I got a trivia question for you for next week. And this one, okay. I, this is a, I love this question. I can't wait to discuss it. Who was the last left handed throwing second baseman to play in a game of baseball? Wow. So when was the last time somebody who wore their glove on the right hand and threw with their left hand, when did that person last man second base? <laughs> wow, that's a tough one. Yeah. But I like the idea. I Unless you look it up, you're not going to come up with this. Ah, uh, well, I'll just make up a name next week then. <laughs> All right, so uh, you think about that. We are going to wrap up our, our BP segment here. We're going to go in, change, get out of our BP jersey, maybe take a quick shower because it's kind of hot, and uh, put on the home whites because we're always at home. And uh, let's get ready to jump into our main uh, our main stuff today. Uh, Mark, what, uh, what do you want to talk about today? I started thinking about, you know how I like to talk about players who – uh, we're talented, but nobody, not nobody, but very few people know who they are or remember them. I remember when I was a kid, I remember this, this guy named Lyman Bostock. 
Um, and he was a solid ball player and he met a very tragic end and uh, not a lot of people remember him. Um, it's, uh, occurred to me. So I thought maybe I talk a little bit about Lyman, his career and, and of course the, the tragic ending to his life. Um, Lyman Bostock was actually a three eleven career hitter, uh, with the twins and one year with the angels. So he only played four years in 75. He was called up to the Minnesota twins. And he was known for incredible defense, but he could also hit quite well, too. In his second year, he hit 323, which was fourth in the AL behind some pretty decent hitters named George Vred, Hal McCray, and Rod Carew. Jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, Bostock finished third with his 336 average, or his 323 average. Now, in 1977, Lyman Bostock hit 336, and it still was only second place, and his teammate Rod Carew hit 388 that year. There's a guy. There's a guy to talk about. Rod Carew. Wow, what a hitter that guy was. Bostock uh, came from very humble beginnings. His parents were divorced when he was a child. His father, Lyman Bostock Jr. So Lyman Bostock must have been Lyman Bostock the third. His father, Lyman Bostock Jr., was a first baseman in the Negro Leagues from '38 to '54. So he he uh, came from a, a talented family. He was estranged from his father. He felt that his father had abandoned him and his mother, and they unfortunately never did reconcile. But he did have baseball in, in his in his family history. Uh, he was raised in Gary, Indiana. But don't make uh, me the sing economy, it. Don't make me don't sing do it. it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, he uh, it was a very tough economy in in Indiana, so they moved to Los Angeles where the economy was a lot better, and Bostock got to play baseball at Manual Arts High School in Los Angeles. And when he graduated, he got a ride to San Francisco Valley State College, which is now CSU Northridge. I talked a little bit about his years with the Twins, 75, 76, 77, where he had 282, 323, and 326, respectively. Uh, free agency allowed Gene Autry, who owned the Angels at the time, to go out and get Bostock for the 1978 season. Uh, this is, this, I found this very interesting. He got off to a pretty difficult start. Uh, in April, he was only hitting a buck 50. So he met with team officials and he said, you guys need to not pay me for my first month because I'm playing horrible. <laughs> Dave Valley would have been destitute on the street. <laughs> he, he actually did that. He went in and said, don't pay me. I was terrible in April. Um, Angels management went, I don't think so. So he took his entire April's check and he donated it to charity. He didn't feel he deserved it. So, you know, I just thought that was awesome. There's a guy with some, uh, some high standards right there. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, he, he did eventually get his uh, swing figured out and he finished the season hitting 296. Unfortunately, 1978 was cut short by a tragedy. Lyman, after a game, uh, was invited to a dinner party hosted by his uncle. And at the party, he met a girl named Barbara Smith. They'd never met before. They were introduced by his uncle. After the dinner party, Smith, uh, Lyman Bostock, his uncle, Ed Turner, and Smith's sister, Joan Hawkins. They got into Turner's car, and they started driving over. They were going to Hawkins' home now. Unbeknownst to Mr. Bostock, Barbara Smith's estranged husband, Leonard Smith, had been following them. He was mentally ill, and he, for some reason, thought his wife was having an affair with Bostock, who, by the way, just met her that night. Uh, at some point, Leonard Smith drove up alongside Turner, and 
freaked everybody out. So I uh, turned around several red lights and then they ran into traffic and had to stop. When that happened, Leonard Smith got out of his car and he had a small gauge shotgun and he fired a single shot into the backseat of the car and of course hit Bostock, who was not the intended victim, which was Barbara. Barbara was hit by a single pellet in the neck, but Bostock took uh, the shot on the right side of his head. He was taken to St. Mary's Medical Center and declared dead there about three hours later. Tragic ending to a really promising career. It's kind of interesting historically. Uh, Leonard Smith, the man who killed Bostock, he was uh, mentally ill and he was uh, actually the first person to be charged on the uh, with the charge of guilty but mentally ill. He only served, uh, let's see, he was uh, tried twice for murder. They said that Barbara Smith's alleged infidelity had driven him insane. Um, hung jury in the first trial. In the second trial, he was found not guilty by reason of insanity and found uh, guilty but mentally ill, committed to a psychiatric treatment. Within seven months, he was deemed no longer mentally ill by a psychiatrist and released, including his time in jail Jeez. awaiting and during the trial, Smith's time in custody amounted to 21 months for killing Lyman Bostock. Jeez. Smith eventually returned to Gary, Indiana, where he lived the rest of his life, never publicly commented about the murder, and passed away in 2010. After the shooters release Indiana legislatures, they got the legislature got together and made tougher laws about mentally ill, serving time, and being declared, um, just basically made up a whole new plea. So people would have to serve their prison time after being released from inpatient mental health treatment, which has its positives and negatives. But basically that law came about because of Lyman Bostock's murder. So that's the tragic story of the great Lyman Bostock, who could have gone on to really become quite a superstar. Boy, that, that California Los Angeles Angels, they have had, uh, I was just looking it up here. Because obviously last year, remember, uh, Tyler Skaggs, yes. Angels pitcher, passed away. They have had so much tragedy. You've got, you've got Skaggs. Uh, Luis Valbuena was killed mm -hmm. uh, a year or two ago. Uh, Nick Aidenhart, a pitcher, died. You've got Lyman Bostock. And then Chico Ruiz uh, mm -hmm. also passed away uh, in 1972 in an automobile accident. So just a franchise that's really had a lot of unfortunate uh, death. A lot of tragedy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But uh, no, I'd not heard of Lyman Bostock before that. I just remember as a kid finding him very exciting and wanting to collect his cards and his, his memory came to my mind out of nowhere. And I thought, oh, let me look that guy up and uh, actually very, very interesting, very sad story. All right. Well, We'll uh, we'll try to liven it up a little bit here with my uh, mine is mine Sorry. is a little mine is a little you just love those those dark stories don't you I am drawn to I I, I am I have a, this dark side that uh, it all goes uh, into my baseball stories and my writing lyrics everything else I'm a cheery happy gregarious guy but I don't know why I always pick the tragedies well this is a uh, this is not a tragedy I mean the the ending's not particularly joyful because he's dead. But he's been dead for over 100 years. So right. I want to okay. talk about somebody that I, I'm guessing a lot of people have probably heard of. I'm not going to go through his whole history because I really want to just touch on on kind of the the, the main uh, just a season or two of of Charles Old Haas Radburn. 
So, um, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to go through his history of where he was born and where he went to school, which wasn't much. And his father was a butcher and he actually, you know, Charles was a, was a butcher by trade, but he also played baseball. I want to talk, I want to jump specifically into the 1884 season. This is his fourth year in professional baseball. He is playing for the Providence Grays. And uh, that is where our story will begin. So Charles Oldhaus Radburn, he was one of two pitchers on the team. He shared the pitching duties with Charlie Sweeney. So remember, this is 1884. There's only two pitchers. That's it. It's all you're going to get. Radburn and Sweeney, though, were very competitive with each other. So competitive, in fact, that at one point they got into a scuffle in the clubhouse after a game. Uh, Radburn was found to be the aggressor and was fined, and that didn't help their relationship at all. But they only had two pitchers, so they had to bring him back pretty quick. On June 7th, Charlie Sweeney set a major league record that would stand for 102 years when he struck out 19 batters in a single game. That's impressive. That's pretty darn impressive. After this game, however, his arm started to hurt. And he had to sit on the bench, and uh, Charles Radburn had to go out there every day, which was kind of just something that they they put up with. Uh, so most of those innings uh, went, you know, on on old Haas, and Rod, Radburn did not like this so much after a while, and he started to complain. Eventually, Sweeney they forced him to take the mound again. They're like, "All right, you've been sitting long enough. We need, you know, <laughs> you gotta we gotta give old Haas a day off every now and then." What followed is. I think might be the most old timey baseball story that we've ever covered here. <laughs> okay. So were, were they all having wearing the like skinny mustaches? Oh, I'm you, you, you need to see a picture of old Haas Radburn. Uh, I okay. mean, he has got a two cent mustache uh, going on and he's got a little, his face is kind of compacted. Like all of his features are in the middle of his face. I mean, he looks like a tough, he looks more like a, a catcher, but I mean, this is, it, he absolutely looks like somebody you would think is nicknamed Old Haas. So <laughs> after a game in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, which do you do you remember who the Woonsocket Rocket is? I do not. Rocco Baldelli, the Woonsocket Rocket. Oh, Rocco Baldelli. I haven't thought of that guy in a while. And except for the last time when we mentioned that his nickname was Woonsocket Rocket. Right. It's been a while. <laughs> All right. So after a game in Woonsocket, Sweeney got drunk and uh, met up with a lady friend in Woonsocket and uh, decided that uh, he was just going to hang out at the hotel with her all night. Well, the next morning, uh, Sweeney woke up still drunk and he realized that he was supposed to start the game that day. Uh, he also realized that the game that day was in Providence, not Woonsocket, where he had spent the night. So <laughs> he tried uh, he tried to get back to Providence. So with an already, you know, lackluster uh, support system on the pitching staff, meaning only Radburn, uh, the Grays had no choice but to put Sweeney on the mound once he finally got to Providence. So he made it there in time. I don't know how far Woonsocket is from Providence. They're both in Rhode Island, so can't be that, that far. But sure, but, yeah. So, so Sweeney's still drunk because <laughs> this is a day game, right? He was out late last night. He's still drunk. He 
they put him out there on the mound. They're like, sure, go for it. They tried to pull him after five effective innings, but Sweeney said, uh, no, I'm going to keep going. And, uh, you know, this was when if you pitched anything less than a complete game, people thought less of you as a man if you didn't right. finish what you started. So he pitched another two innings against the wishes of his manager. And when they tried to pull him again in the eighth, they threatened him with a $50 fine. Sweeney told them to, to stick it where the sun don't shine with their $50 fine. He said, in fact, rip up my contract. And he walked off the field and watched the rest of the game with a woman in each arm. And I read that he, it said in quotes, presumed to be prostitutes from the stands. <laughs> This not only got him kicked off the team, it got him thrown out of the entire National League. Wow. So he's, uh, he's partying with some lady friends and is no longer employed. Uh, also, though, that means the Grays have only one pitcher on their roster. All right, so that sets up the final twist of the story. So the Grays, extremely understaffed, old Haas is he offers to pitch the remaining games of the season if they bump up his pay. And they give him an exemption from the reserve clause, which that I think that is the biggest thing here, because remember that reserve clause was oh, yeah. what used to keep a player property of a team throughout their entire career unless they were traded or released. Right. So they said, OK, sure. We're, we're, they were a good team, too. So they, they, they wanted to they wanted to at least keep their their best pitcher. So he started 40 of the remaining 43 games in the season. <laughs> he won 36 of those 40 games. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. His arm That's became, insane. his arm became so sore that he couldn't raise it over his shoulders and he had to warm up for hours just to be able to throw the ball to the plate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how his arm didn't just fall off at one point. But oh, my gosh. Just to add to the spectacular feat, Radburn started and won every single game of the 84, the 1884 World Series where the Grays defeated the New York Metropolitans three to nothing. Three games to wow. nothing. Yes. It's a, I, I looked at these three games. The longest of those three games took two hours exactly to play. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. The nice. Other, the others took an hour 35 and an hour 20. Wow. The total attendance for the three games, 3,800. No, so not, <laughs> not a well-attended World Series game. Uh, it, was series. The, uh, it was the paid attendance, too, yeah. not the actual. <laughs> so after an incredible 678 and two-thirds innings pitch, Radburn amassed an official 59 wins for the season. Uh, sometimes, like on Baseball Reference, it's reported as 60. Radburn's gravestone claims he won 62 that year. Obviously, this is an impossible record that will never be touched, especially no. this year. <laughs> this year, <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will give you a million to one odds that nobody uh, matches this record this year. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet, man. <laughs> and it's all, this all happened because a man named Charlie Sweeney got laid on July 21st, 1884. <laughs> uh, it's funny. So Old Haas had a great career. Total, he pitched for 11 years. He amassed a 310 and 194 record. 
488 complete games in 502 starts. <laughs> what? That is 14 games he did not finish that he started. <laughs> Jeez. That wow. is incredible. A career FIP of 315 and a whip of 1.149 for a starter. Wow. I'm very impressed. A, a, a starter these days is usually, you know, maybe like 1.4 or 1.3. Sure. And that's good. Yeah. And this guy is pitching complete games. <laughs> that's unreal. Wow. 1884 was clearly his best season. And after that, really, he came nowhere near matching obviously what he did that year but the first four seasons of his career were incredible he amassed a 166 and 67 record in his force in his first four seasons so <laughs> he was 99 games on the you know better on the winning side in his first four seasons after retiring radburn uh, bought a popular billiards parlor and a saloon in bloomington illinois he also enjoyed hunting but was seriously injured during a hunting trip and ended up losing an eye. That did some serious damage to him mentally, and he spent most of his remaining years shut in the back room of the saloon until his death in 1897. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1939. Now, you know we like to kind of dive into baseball players where they have pop culture or some strange things that happened to them or have been attributed to them. Well, old Haas Radburn has got a couple of them. It is speculated that old Haas might be the namesake of the Charlie horse. So you, <laughs> you know what a Charlie horse is like sure. if somebody, I mean, this isn't the only way you get them, but if somebody comes up and like punches you in the arm and they get you right, you know, good in that muscle and it kind of hurts for a while or you know you're just doing something and your muscle starts to hurt and you can't get rid of it well that term first arose in the 1880s from the baseball diamond and there are two theories where it came from one theory says that it was a term used to describe a lame horse named charlie that was used by the chicago white Sox that pulled a roller around their infield to kind of drag the infield but the second theory claims that old Haas Radburn suffered from a muscle cramp during a game and uh, it was it was deemed a Charlie horse. <laughs> so take your okay. pick. Take your pick. Next, and this one I think is my favorite, Radburn is also known as being the first person of note to ever be photographed giving the middle finger. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have discovered the origins. We have. Well, he's the first he's the first one to do it in front of a camera of I'm sure he wasn't the first one to do it, but he's thought of being the first public figure to do it. The, in, the, the most popular pose there is for photos today. He did it first. That's amazing. In 1886, an image uh, is captured of him flipping off a member of the New York Giants. So he was with Boston at this point, the Boston Bean Eaters. And for some reason, there's a, a big team photo of Boston, uh, the Bean Eaters and the New York Giants. You know, they're all together and taking a photo. And so Radburn's kind of in the back row and there's a giant in front of him and he is just giving him the finger. So <laughs> we have this picture. I will post it on our social media so you can check it all out. Right. Just, don't Google it, though. You won't find it. Just just check it out. I swear. I, we only we have it. So check us That's out right. on Twitter and Instagram to see it. Seriously, don't don't look it up. 
very, <laughs> very exclusive. But uh, it's great. It's just him. <laughs> he, he does not. He, I mean, he's got this look on his face where he's just staring like grim. Not. He's got a mean look. He's a mean looking guy and he's just staring straight at the camera. But he's got his uh, he's got his hand resting on the shoulder of the guy in front of him. And he's flipping the bird. <laughs> so. What a guy. Old Haas. Charles Radburn. Now there is a Twitter feed uh, for Old Haas, and it's actually even listed in his baseball reference page. It is at Old Haas Radburn. Clearly, it is obviously not him unless he has come back from the grave. But it is a great follow. He is a very witty, uh, witty tweeter, and uh, often will tweet as if he is, you know, Old Haas commenting on how rough things were back in his day compared to today and stuff so it's a lot of fun i'll I'll throw that in the show notes as well so you can you can follow him as well as us because uh we'd love to have you follow us on uh on social media so mark ready to jump into a uh, segment that we like to do here it's uh something we like to call and so we do wax packs heroes Uh, you know what, Jeff? Uh, I had someone ask me this week if I was singing background vocals on the Wax Packs Heroes song. <laughs> and so I lied and said I was. Oh, so. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to we're going to jump into this uh, as uh, as usual here. We've got a pack of baseball cards uh, today. Mark, we are going with a 1986 Fleer. I got two oh, packs nice. of 86 Fleer here. This has got some good cards in, in this pack. We've got, uh, actually, there's a Nolan Ryan that's listed at 325. Uh, nice. And by the way, we are using a May 1992 Beckett baseball card monthly to score these. Uh, there's a Ricky Henderson worth a dollar thirty-five. A Daryl Strawberry worth three plus. There's the Vince Coleman rookie card. Uh, there are some 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 high value cards here. There's a Jose Canseco rookie card is clearly the the, the big card from this pack that goes for twenty seven dollars in this uh, in this Beckett. So we that was you know which one that was that was when he was with Eric Plunk. It was the Canseco Plunk rookie card. Was it? Hmm. Yes, 86 Fleer. Well, hopefully we'll pull one here. Dude, it'd be sweet. <laughs> so last week, you you broke the record. You set the record with, uh, I think it was like 223 or something like, 245. I don't know. You you shattered the the, the mark for our, our competition here. And uh, we could shatter it again here with this pack. So let us, let us first, uh, let's go through the rules, first of all, for anybody that is new here. Uh, we're going to open these packs. We're going to score them based on this May 1992 Beckett. If the player in the card is wearing real stirrups, that's good news, and you get one extra cent. If they are wearing the two-in-one stirrups, which I am going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're not going to see in this 86 pack, you would minus a cent. If they are sporting a sweet, sweet lip brush, aka a mustache, you get an extra cent. And if they are now in the Hall of Fame, you're going to get an extra five cents. And uh, so we'll total those up and uh, see which one of us comes out on top. All right, Mark. So um, let's take a look at these packs. Which one would you like? Would you like to use the would you like to use? Would you like to uh, have the one on the left or the one on the right? 
I've been I've been doing well with the one on the right, so I feel like it's time to switch it up and go left. Go left. All right. Then I'm going to give you that one. I'm going to let you go first. So I'm going to put mine to the side here, and uh, let's go ahead and open these up. Let's do it. All right. Not glued to the back card. That's a good sign. All right. So first of all, we got a sweet sticker. Uh, this nice. is a good one. It's a Baltimore Orioles. It's the, the the logo with the full bird, and he's got the big bat. Nice. Yeah, that's a good-looking sticker. I think I'll keep that and stick it on something. There you go. And uh, on the back, we've got a little fact. Famous feat, Cy Young won 511 games. You know, I just out of, do you know how many he lost? I don't. Do you off the 313. Wow, you know that off the top of your head. That's impressive. I, for some reason, they, yeah, he was five eleven and three thirteen. Yeah, couldn't tell you. Can't tell me your phone number, but you know you you know that. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what, man, that's a lot of decisions. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Uh, we're going to start off with the Chicago White Sox third baseman Tim Hewlett. <laughs> I remember Tim Hewlett. Uh, kind of a. Kind of a bigger white dude. Yeah, I was just going to um, say, he looks like he's kind of big. Yeah. I, I remember that name. Now, if, these are the cards that we kind of struggle with, especially with an 86 pack, because generally it's it's the late 80s when we really start to know all these guys. <laughs> right. But uh, unfortunately, uh, that card is not worth anything. No stirrups of sight, and uh, he is clean shaven. Next, this is, I swear, this is Tom Selleck, but no, it's actually infielder Chris Spire of the Chicago Cubs. Chris Spire, um, you're right, that card does look like Tom Selleck. Look at that. Yeah. So yeah, he should be doing blue bloods. <laughs> that uh, he probably had to, good luck with the ladies, but uh, no, uh, no value on that one except for he is uh, sporting a mustache. That's, so that's uh, a beautiful stash right there. Yeah, that's that's a full on Magnum stash. So you're going to get one cent on that one to get you on the board. Next uh, pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles, Nate Snell. So he's got a sweet stash. I don't. I do not know Nate Snell. I'll tell you right off the bat. I don't either. I don't recall him, but um, I'm sure he had a great mustache. Yeah, he's got a good mustache, but that's uh, no value in Beckett, so you'll get another cent for that one. Uh, infielder for the Chicago White Sox, it is Brian Little. Little? Brian Little. Okay, let's see what we got. You're going to get a little value from this card, I'll tell you that. Is that right? Because he has got a mustache and he's got real stirrups on. This is good. They've got this is the good uh, Chicago White Sox. These are my favorite White Sox uniforms. It's the ones with the stripe across the front and it says socks. It just says socks. Yeah, I like those too. I think those are solid. And I think it's I, I like I don't I wouldn't want anybody to do it today, but they've got their jersey number on the left front hip of the oh, pants. Yeah, that's right. Which I don't I remember that. I like it looking back on it. I wouldn't want anybody to do it today. Probably not, no. But it, would, Brian, it would be good for you today. Uh, Brian Little, though, is wearing number 42, I can see. So, uh, oh, look at that. Brian Little, also a forward for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, used to be the Thrashers. Really? So, yeah. That's wow. Just <laughs> random hockey fact. That's fantastic. <laughs> Next, we have got uh, first baseman for the San Francisco Giants. It is Dan Dreesen. Dan Salad Dreesen. You just made that up. No, no, that's the real deal. Uh, God. 
your knowledge of of obscure nicknames is rivaled by nobody. Stuff stuff just settles in there, and it never goes away. And it's a big hard drive, but the filing system just sucks. All right, so Dan Dreesen, not worth anything in Beckett, but a mustache. All you've got so far is mustache and stirrup money. (laughs) That sounds like something the team would issue you. Here's your mustache and stirrup money, and here's your per diem. All right, well, you've pulled a Hall of Famer, my friend. Yay! It is a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. It is Burt B. Home Bly Levin. Nice. I'll take it. Uh, so you get your first card that is worth any money from Beckett is worth five cents. You get an extra five cents because he's a Hall of Famer and he's got a mustache. So that's 11 cents for you right there. Uh, that's a good card right there. Thank you, Bert Bly Levin. Oh, this is a good card for us to talk about. I'm not sure it's going to be worth anything. Here he is. I, I really don't remember him with the Giants. I always remember Rob Deere with the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota with the uh, Milwaukee Twin, Milwaukee. Uh, the Milwaukee Twins, they were uh, a franchise Brewers. one year, uh, <laughs> the, the Milwaukee Brewers, but it is Rob Deere. Rob Deere, I believe, got traded in 86. Who You have him on the Giants? Yep, here he is with the Giants. Interesting. Which uh, um, he had been with the Giants the two years prior. Came Rob up with Deere the Giants. was incredibly strong. And could hit the ball out of the park, but it was <laughs> it was uh, all or nothing. I mean, he was truly all or nothing. He was going to go up there, he was going to hit your bombs, but he was going to hit somewhere around two hundred. So good news for you. That's a ten cent card in Beckett. Wow. Plus he's that's got crazy. a mustache, so that's an eleven cent card, and that'll bring you up to twenty seven cents. Yeah, starting to build the empire. Starting to build the empire. <laughs> Nah, this one will slow you down a little bit. First baseman from the Pittsburgh Pirates. It is Jason Thompson. I do remember Jason Thompson. Don't know if he played for very long. God, why do I remember him? I don't know. Well, he, has, a, around. he has an uneven mustache. Uh, it goes a little bit deeper on one side than the other. So you'll get one cent, but that's all you're going to get out of uh I'm lucky to get that out of out of Jason yeah. Thompson. <laughs> Next, we've got, I remember this name. This is a good name, too. Pitcher for the California Angels, Ubano Lugo. Uh, I remember Ubano Lugo. No value, but he's got a mustache, so you're going to get one cent there. Interesting, because he's a pitcher. He is posing here with the glove in front of him, and you know he's holding a ball in the glove like he's getting ready to come set, but he's got a batting glove on underneath in his glove, hmm. so kind of kind of odd, but you will get one cent there. Jeff, have I had anybody without a mustache? Uh, yeah, you've had one. Your first guy, definitely Tim Hewlett. Just one. Dang it. Okay. Yeah, beyond that, you you <clears throat> might be right. Um, this guy's definitely got a mustache. We've talked about him. One of my least favorite announcers now. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just, I, it wasn't until recently that I looked at his numbers and this guy was a really good, really top notch pitcher when, uh, when he was playing, especially for the Cubs and the Cardinals. It is the redheaded one. It is Rick Sutcliffe. Yeah, he, he, right. He was good and he pitched for a good while. Yeah. He pitched for quite a while, but I just, I never really realized how good of a pitcher he was. Well, he also had some of the best hair in baseball. 
red hair too, but he's got a lot of it and he's got a big beard. I mean, he is, his, his head is covered about 70% with red hair in this picture. Nice. All right. So you get one cent there only nothing from, nothing from Beckett on that one. Uh, next we've got third baseman Mariners. Who do you think in 86? 86 third baseman Mariners. Wasn't quite Edgar time. Jimmy Presley. There you go. Very nice. Jim Presley. <laughs> Jim Presley, no mustache. And no uh, Pres- come on, Presley. <laughs> no mustache and no value from Beckett. It's a good picture, though. He's, yeah. uh, he's getting ready to field the ball, which is in the frame here. So that's a, that's a nice looking card, at least. But no value for there. Oh, it's, I'm glad you got this guy because this is one of your favorite pitchers. Oakland A's legend. <laughs> At this point, he is um, 106 years old uh, with a new elbow because in 75, he had a surgery to replace uh, to to help his elbow. Uh, This is an 86 card. (laughs) It is Tommy John. It's so weird to me that a guy named Tommy John ended up needing a surgery called Tommy John surgery. That's That's so weird. Coincidental. I did not know he was ever on the A's. I'm going to be honest, but uh, I didn't know that either. This card's worth seven cents. He's 108 years old, but it's somehow worth seven cents. Maybe they thought he was going to be a Hall of Famer. So that moves you up to 37 cents with three cards left. Another guy I'm glad you got because this is right up your alley. Here he is, knuckleballer for the Texas Rangers. It's Charlie Huff. Oh, man. He pitched till he was 337. I think he he's still pitching somewhere. Yeah, I, yeah, he's pitching somewhere, and he's probably winning. The great Charlie Huff, man, the knuckleball legend. Yeah, somewhere a, a week or so ago, there was videos going all around Twitter of Julio Franco in a batting cage. He was in dress shoes and, like, nice clothes, but he was in there taking cuts, and uh, <laughs> it is the exact same stance and swing that you're used to seeing Julio Franco, but it was... Uh, too we, funny. we joke about how, I mean, he probably just retired last year. So, all right, here's a good card for you. I'm not sure it's going to be worth anything, but this is an actual Oakland A's legend. Here he is, though, at the tail end of his career with the Giants. But this guy has three rings uh, from the Oakland A's. It is Vita Blue. Vita Blue, what a, what a great pitcher. Yeah, I know. At, he, at one point, at one point, he had on the back of his jersey instead of blue, he had Vita. Nice. It was uh, just uh, like Ichiro, but uh, Ichiro before Ichiro. <laughs> uh, that card not worth anything at Beckett, but he does have a mustache, so you'll get one cent. That pumps you up to thirty-eight cents for your final card. And I know you like this guy. I'm going to ask you to try and name who it is. It is the second baseman for the Houston Astros in 1986. Is it Billy Doran? You got it. 100% Billy Doran. Yeah, I love Bill Doran. Yeah, I know you do. One of my favorites. Yeah, he was, dude, he was just a, just a solid second baseman. Good hitter. A <clears throat> little bit of power. Um, good arm. Just all around good second baseman. Kept his mouth shut. Not many people uh, remember him, but boy, I sure do. So that is uh, no no value for Bill Doran and no mustache. So but it uh, did warm my heart. It, down to the cockles, it warmed your heart. That's right. But uh, so that will bring your total to thirty eight cents. That is a 
legitimate score. Uh, it's my, respectable. I might might have a hard time beating that, but thirty eight cents. So, all right. So we'll uh, now let's switch over to mine and see what we've got. Boy, this one is not opening easily. And oh boy, oh I thought I, I thought I thought I had a uh, a checklist on the back, but no, it's not. Oh, you could be so lucky. All right. So I've got, uh, I don't have a big sticker like you did. I got two little stickers. One is a pennant and one is circular for the Chicago Cubs. That might Go make Cubbies. some people happy. I don't. So let's uh, get right into it. Oh, well, this is apropos for me. My first card is uh, Oakland Athletics shortstop. Um, he also went on to, I, I know, the uh, uh, Toronto Blue Jays. And this guy grew up with Ricky Henderson in Bushrod Park in Oakland. It is Alfredo Griffin. Alfredo Griffin. I, you know, I remember him mostly with um, the, Dodgers. the Dodgers too. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of, he, he played quite a bit, but uh, he, he got around, but he was a, a pretty good shortstop. Uh, no value from Beckett, but he does have a beard and a mustache. So I will at least start off with uh I, I'm ahead of your pace. I got a, I got a scent from the first card. <laughs> you did. Uh, next we've, oh, ooh, I'm excited about this one. A Major League Prospects card with two players on it. Major League Prospects. One from the Toronto Blue Jays, Cecil Fielder. And secondly, from the Cleveland Indians, Corey Snyder. This could be a good card. I remember this card. I remember because Cecil was skinny. Oh, ho, ho, ho. na 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 <laughs> na. Uh oh, I have just shattered the record for. Really? <laughs> this, my friend, is a fourteen dollar card. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh! Come on! Oh my goodness! That right there is just. Wow. Wow. Well, there's no point going through the rest of them. Thanks, yeah. everybody, for tuning in. $14. <clears throat> I am very curious to know what this is worth today. You know what? At the time, when was Cecil's big 51 home run year? Uh, well, it was after he came back from from. So. Japan. So it's probably before oh, our this is rookie card. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is Fielder and Snyder's rookie cards. So you got Fielder and he had, you know, he had popped, you know, what, how many ever 51 home runs in one season and his card values obviously absolutely took off. And I think we picked it up. Oh, I'd like to pick it up saying. at a time where he was huge. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So let's just pop really quickly on eBay. This card right now is going for a easy dollar ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing here is that does not matter because... <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. We are going by this Beckett. So that, well, let's see. Uh, they both, well, let's see. Uh, Cecil definitely has a mustache. Snyder does not. So actually, that's a $14 and one cent card for me. <laughs> That'll bring my total up to fourteen oh two. So you hit the jackpot with Cecil Fielder. <laughs> wow. Well, Let's just get through the rest of these for fun. Next, we've got pitcher for the New York Yankees, Marty Bystrom. Never heard of him. No clue. Uh, not a $14 card. He has uh, got a sweet-looking mustache, though, so I'm just going to continue to pour it on. I'm up to 1403. 
Um, oh, boy, this is a great card. This is a good pack. I don't care if this card's not worth anything. This is... God, I'm going to have to post this card. Gorman Thomas, designated hitter for your Seattle Mariners. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I remember. You have got to see this card. This is... He looks like Charles Radburn. <laughs> I got to call up. <clears throat> he has wow. got a three cent mustache if we were doing that. If yeah, for he's, sure. You know, he's got the gruff look, the like eight o'clock shadow. And he's got those big, he's just a big dude. He's got those big thick arms. He's full crossed them in front. That's a good looking card right there. He was a really good player. That's a, it's a great card though. That is one of my favorite cards I've seen that we've pulled. Uh, next, oh, this is a good card for me. At this point, he was catching for the New York Yankees. It is Mr. Ron Hassey. Sure, Ron Hassey. Good, good, big catcher. If I remember, he was pretty tall. So we've talked about him before. Of course, he was wearing 24 in 1989 for the A's when Ricky got traded. We've talked about what Ricky had to do to get that uh, to get that number back from Ron Hassey. Uh, Ron Hassey, also the cousin of my insurance agent when I lived in uh, Arizona. The things, the things we learn, man. Oh boy! Guess who I just pulled? Nolan Ryan. Bob Gibson. Uh, Bob what? Gibson of the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how you did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is uh, decidedly a pale Bob Gibson. Uh, not, of course, the Hall of Famer. And uh, there's no value to this card. No stirrups. No mustache. And obviously nothing in Beckett. Well, I, it, you know, it doesn't really matter since I pulled that Fielder Snyder, but I've just pulled a checklist card, which is never good. So that no, is not you worth know what? anything. That, that gives me a little bit of, of just a tiny, tiny bit of relief <laughs> that you ended up with a bum card at least once. All right. So next we've got pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, Pete Ladd. Pete Ladd. Pete Ladd. Cheryl's husband by chance. <laughs> Pete Ladd is a hairy lad here. He's got a big bushy mustache and a lot of hair uh, sticking out from the uh, the sides of his awesome Milwaukee Brewers hat. It's got the MB logo, but this is when it was blue. The The hat was blue, but the front panel was gold. So yes. that's a good look there. But that's uh, just going to get me one cent for the mustache. Well, you know, if it wasn't for that $14 card, I would only have five cents at this point. <laughs> <laughs> One big blow is all you need to win a game. Yeah. All right. Here's pitcher for the Oakland A's. This guy was a workhorse for the A's at this point. Here it is in spring training. I can tell because I see uh, I see the Arizona mountains in the background. It is Rick Lankford. Oh, yeah. I am. I, I, I saw Rick Lankford pitch in person many times. Many uh, times he he was around a while. He was uh, was he a lifetime Oakland Athletic? Well, he pitched. He came up with Pittsburgh and he pitched in twelve games. But after that, no, you're right. And this was his last year. Was eighty six? Okay, where he went one in ten. Ouch! Ooh. Yes, but it, so that first year he was zero and one in twelve games for the Pirates. Then he went to Oakland, where he went eight and nineteen. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. So uh, that's uh, not so much good. But he was traded to the pirate. He was traded by the Pirates with Tony Armas 
and Mitchell Page to Oakland for Phil Garner and Tommy Helms. So that's how the A's got Tony Armas. That's interesting. Interesting trade, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I get one cent there for the sweet mustache, but uh, but that's going to be it. So that'll bring me up to 1406. Next, we've got pitcher for the Tigers. It is Dan Petrie Dish. <laughs> See, I, I, Dan, I preemptively gave him the nickname. Dan Petrie from what, the Tigers or the yep. Angels? Yep, Tigers. Yeah, I remember him pretty well because he, he did throw a few years. Yeah, so uh, no value from Beckett, but he's got a mustache as always, and he's got real stirrups there too. So that's a two-cent card. Next, uh, this guy was on the Reds for quite a while because he was on the he was on the ninety team when they beat the A's. It is second baseman Ron Oyster. Oster, I always say it. Oyster. Oster. It looks like Oyster. Yeah, there he is, Ron Oster. I, I just cannot say that Oster. Cincinnati Red extraordinaire. Yeah, he was there for quite a while. Uh, no value from Beckett. He does have some real stirrups on, though, which is good. So that'll bring me up to 1409. Can I just take some off and, you know, put it towards my next couple of uh, a couple of games? Man, I don't see it in the rule book. <laughs> I'm the commissioner, so I can... <laughs> you can't change the rule book. We uh, can, well, but Rob we, Manfred we does. Why can't I? Yeah, come on. Good point. All right, so I'm interested to see what this is. Oh, boy. All right, so this is a special card. It says Superstar Special, Braves Dynamic Duo. It is Bob Horner and Dale Murphy. Let's see what this card, if it's worth anything. This card is not. <laughs> I was all excited. It might be worth more now than uh, than it was at that point. But it may be, yeah. Three cards left. Here is a guy that was around forever. He'd already pitched for several years at this point. It is pitcher for the Orioles, Mike Boddicker. Mike Boddicker, yep. Long time. A good career with the Orioles. Yeah, he was I was with the Orioles for quite a while. I can see there in Fenway from the wait, no, hold on. Maybe that's maybe that's California. Uh I want to say, yeah, that's probably California. Fenway's seats aren't as are as positioned as nicely because they're old. Uh, no value, no mustache, no stirrup, so we can see. Next, I'm going to just say, I'm going to go ahead and name him like my third or fourth favorite third baseman of all time. Here he is with the New York Yankees. It is Pags, Mike Pagliarulo. Mike Pagliarulo, yep. Feisty third baseman. Uh, no value from Beckett's, unfortunately. No mustache from Pags, and I can't see a stirrup, so nothing there. And then my final card is the DH for the Kansas City Royals, Jorge Orta. <laughs> Not familiar with that one. Oh, I, I remember him probably because of his name. Uh, I, I don't remember anything about him as a player, but I definitely remember that name. But uh, no value from Beckett, but he does have a mustache, so... That'll get me one final cent to bring my total to $14.20. So I was close. You were nowhere near close. Um, yeah, I, I, hate to, I hate to bring it to you. I hate to break it to you, but I have uh, clearly won this game. It was a blowout. Uh, the final Complete blowout. The final score, uh, $14.20. For me, 
I'm just going to put that that fielder Snyder card right there uh, to 38 cents for you. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't I wasn't that far off. No, you, um, it was a close one. Let's let's you know, uh, let's take a look at the standings now. With that win, that bumps me up to 14 wins. You are at 18. Remember, we're playing to 20 in this first season, so I've still got a lot of work to do here. But uh, that is uh, that's an incredible, <laughs> incredible total. I'm not sure that we will beat that one. But no. uh, yeah, so there you go. There is uh, this episode of Wax Pack Heroes. All right, Mark, let's wrap up the show. Let's start it off as we always do by thanking everybody for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to uh, pass along the word about the show, we would appreciate it. Let's retweet any of our stuff. Uh, we appreciate any help that you can get. Anybody that uh, listens, uh, we we always enjoy it. Uh, you can find us on the social medias. That is both Twitter and Instagram. We are at Two Strike Noise. You can find us on YouTube. If you want to look and see the cards that we just pulled, uh, you can go to our YouTube channel. Just search for your Two Strike Noise podcast there. We will put all the links also in the show notes. Mark, we've also got an email address that goes directly to your phone, your computer, your pager, and your yes. Google Glasses. Do you want to tell everybody what that is? Yeah, it goes to the red phone, actually. Oh. So it's super important. Yeah, it's Two Strike Noise. Spell it out. T-W-O, Strike Noise at gmail.com and uh so send us uh, send us some emails if you want uh we'll be happy to uh to uh, respond to you there but uh we always always respond to emails yes we do so mark thank you uh, for joining us again i am just gonna pencil you in for next week being right back here at the same bat time same bat channel uh Sounds i will good. be here and uh we will be uh be ready for another edition of two strike noise Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.